Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Drinkon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Eternal Optimist podcast. I am your host, Matt Drinkon, and you don't have to adjust the dial. That is my voice. Soak it in. It is so smooth as syrup or sandpaper. It's a smooth voice. Thank you. I'm here today with my guest, who is a dear friend. He is a fellow front row dad. He is an uber successful entrepreneur. He is someone that when I think of energy, when I think of someone who is really... Oh, it just warms my heart when I think about him and his family together, the way that he honors his family. Just so many things I could say about Alex Pardo, but I'm gonna let him say a couple things. So far, I'd like to welcome to the show today, Mr. Alex Pardo. Alex. My brother, so grateful for the opportunity to come on here and share and just open up. So uh, thank you, man. I love what you're doing with your podcast. And I equally feel the same way about you, man. I enjoyed playing pickleball with you and just getting to know you over the last couple of retreats. So thank you, my friend. So, so take us back to pickleball then, because I remember that in these pickleball tournaments, there's 30 or 40 or 50 people, you got to find a partner. And I'm like, I need to find a good partner. And you are the person that brought your own pickleball pal to Texas. I knew that he must be serious. So how serious are you about pickleball? I started getting into pickleball about a year ago, and I've competed in three tournaments over the course of the last probably four or five months. So ironically, it's funny you asked me that question because I recently told my wife, I want to start like getting competitive and taking this more serious. Like I'm not trying to go pro, but I want to compete more often. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, kind of the mix pickleball between racquetball and ping pong and yeah. tennis and kind of all that together with a wiffle ball. And it's not as easy right. as it looks. It's not. You, and you be- get a good sweat in too. You yeah. get a good workout. Yeah, it's good. So speaking of sweating and working out, you're always pretty fit when I see what kind of exercise regimen might you use to stay the way that you're fit. Because team, when you're hearing Alex talk, just imagine this is a man who's lean, he's fit, he moves fast, he talks fast, he's super successful in business, and he has a regimen. So I want to dive into that regimen a little bit. What do you do to keep your mind, your body right? What does that look like? The timing of your question is impeccable because over the course of the last probably month or two, I've gone deep down the Gary Brecca rabbit hole. I've always been really big, Matt, into morning routines. And I've experimented and explored with a lot of different morning routines, how Elrod has an amazing one, Miracle Morning. And I've incorporated a lot of that. Faith is very important to me. So for me, time with God in the morning is super important, right? So whether it's I have a daily devotional called Jesus Calling, which gives you just a quick several few nuggets So I always start my day with prayer, hydration, but lately I've been incorporating just breath work, which as a result of Front Row Dads and just that incredible community and some of the people I've been exposed to, I've been learning more about breath work. But yes, as far as working out, I joined the gym called Lifetime. So I have access to a variety of different classes. So I'm a big fan of hot vinyasa yoga. Mm. So I like doing a variety of workouts, Matt. So really, to me, one of the things that I've realized over the course of the last several years is that I think there's a quote, and I'd love to give credit to the author, but the rich man has many wishes, but the unhealthy man only has one. 
And so if we Mm. don't have our health, like health is wealth, right? So if we don't have our health, it's hard to really appreciate and enjoy everything else we do have. And it's not saying that you couldn't, but I've really been prioritizing my health over the last probably several years, more than I have in the past. Sometimes it takes a little bit more to get the engine going, right? Sure does. Like I'm having trouble right yeah. now at 46 sometimes at night reading the same way before. I had LASIK surgery 18 years ago, and now I'm finally getting to a point where I need to go back, probably either have a touch-up or get glasses yeah. again. You know, so something's happening in the body right now. And I like to keep yeah. the miracle morning and the morning exercise time and do those things as well. So yeah. thank you for starting us off with the routine. Is there any reading or audible like books, that I, kind of stuff I, with you? I see a, a ton of books in your shelf. So what is it? Yeah, like? yeah. I'm a big fan of reading. Years ago, a mentor of mine taught me that leaders are readers. Yes. And then I just always took that to heart. So I'm always reading something. Now I'm going to go ahead and put myself out there, Matt. I was always of the mindset that if you start a book, you have to finish it. Yes. Yeah. Right. And now I'm open to the possibility that books sometimes are meant to go and extract the value, the nuggets, the wisdom that you might need in your life or in your business because of a particular season you're in. Yes. So I'm actually now experimenting with the fact like I have two or three books on my counter that I might be focused on a particular chapter or two, and I'm going to surrender and be okay with the fact that I might not finish the book cover to cover. Because I have a queue of books, like I've read all these books here, but I have books over here that I haven't read. Yes. And I keep buying books on Amazon. It's just, yes. I need to increase my reading. I'm with speed. you. I'm addicted too. I mean, it's good stuff. It's like the next cookie yeah. that I can eat that will make me fat. It'll make me healthy. It'll make me strong or help me learn something. So tell me how you resonate with this statement. I used to read books and read as many as I could and it would track it. And at one point I had it where I was three years in a row, I'd read a hundred books a year for three years. And then I look back and I didn't remember most of the stuff that I had in those books. So now I'm not reading for as much as I can. I'm reading to find a couple of key principles and then sit with those principles for that month or that quarter. How does that connect with the way that you read, the way you consume you are speaking my language, Matt. So a couple of things I want to share with people and I want to backtrack. One thing that has really helped me, Matt, is if I listen to the audible while I'm reading, and sometimes that can be a little tricky and challenging, but if you read a book and then listen to the audible or vice versa, you have to know what works for you. I think you're much more likely to retain the information in that book. And I'm with you, man. I used to always like question why people would always have a goal to read a certain number of books a year. And I get it. Like it's a goal. It's a check mark that you want to have. But I'm more about diving an inch wide and a mile deep. And one share for people is pick three to five books in 2024 based on a particular area of your life, maybe a pillar of your life that you really want to improve in. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your relationships with your wife, your kids or whoever, right? But maybe it's business or wealth building Pick a particular area of your life that you really want to improve in. Find the best three to five books and reread those versus reading all these different books. Just double down on the ones like The Go-Giver, as an example, Matt, is a book that like I do my best to read every single year. Like I love, love, love The Go-Giver. Atomic Habits by James Clear. That's another book that like I told myself, I'm going to read that book at least two or three times in 2024. Absolutely. Thank you. And what I find, Matt, is that sometimes you reread a book 
and you get things that you didn't pick up the first time. Every time. And my belief is that sometimes it's because of the particular season or phase of life that you're in. Sometimes when your reticular activating system is like open because you're looking for something, there's things that you can draw from a book or from a podcast that you may not have heard or read the first time around. That's right. I love you say that. And I'm curious if we look at your 2023 or any year using this philosophy of finding three to five books on a certain area that you want to make advancements in your life in, what might have been your theme that you wanted to invest in this year or, or maybe next year, just a theme and then the books that you've been studying? Yeah. Atomic Habits is one of those, yes. right? I picked up that book earlier this year yes. and I realized that every time I look at a particular chapter, I look at the notes, the highlights in my book, I'm like, I got that. It resonated with me, but am I applying it? So I think it's one thing to yeah. read and hopefully retain information. But then the question is, what are you doing with that information? So like you, if I could just implement three to five nuggets from that book, I think I'll be better off in 2024 okay. versus maybe just reading, retaining, but then moving on to the next book, right? Alex Hermosi is somebody who I got exposed to a couple of years ago and $100 million leads. Like that's an area when it comes to business that I'm really looking to sharpen the ax when it comes to just marketing, lead generation, sales. So $100 million leads. And then his newest book is another one that I'm focused on reading. But one of the things, Matt, is I'm trying to get away from the vanity metrics. In other words, just to say that I accomplished and read the book, but again, I'm asking myself, how has it helped me? How am I okay. implementing it? And what is it that I'm doing with this information? How has it helped me? What am I doing with it? How am I implementing it? All great questions. It's not just get the knowledge. It's then wisdom comes from using the knowledge. So it's good to hear. One other thing I want to share, man, I'm trying to live this to the best of my ability. I believe, my belief, and I don't know where this came from. I should probably explore that we should be a funnel of good information. So whenever okay. I read something, like you're inquisitive, like, hey, what are the books that really made an impact on you? I think we need to share that information with people. So whenever I hear of a good podcast, I feel it's our duty to share that with people, especially when you're clued into the challenges that people are going through. I'm always looking for opportunities to say, hey, man, this resonated with me. I thought you might find this valuable. Why don't you check it out? And then it's on them what they do with that information. But I've always thought we should act as like a funnel. Whenever we receive valuable information, who can you then pass that on to? Great philosophy. And that seems to be maybe even one of the, one of the tenets of our podcast is that share your stuff, share your experience, share your story, share your hardship story of what's been very difficult in hopes you can inspire yeah. someone else to overcome their stuff. Because we can yeah, overcome, we can do anything we put our minds to. And that's what this show is about, showing people they can do it too. So I, I love that you're sharing. And The Go-Giver was a great example of that. That's a fantastic yeah, book about from Bob Berg, giving, giving help, a go-giver. I love it. So Talk to me for a minute here about your business and give our listeners your business, kind of a high level of where it is now and where it started. So if you can chronicle for us, we'd love to hear about your business journey, Alex. Yeah. So I did not grow up in a family of entrepreneurs. I was the very first one. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. And I also wasn't born under a bridge, just middle-class family. My parents came from Cuba in the 60s. My sister and I were born in Miami. And I remember Matt being around 11, 12 years old. I was always into sports and playing baseball. And I would buy packs of baseball cards for a dollar. And I always remember trading and flipping them for 50 cents or for a dollar. And that's when I first got the taste of buying something low and selling it high. Uh -huh. And I felt like I was hooked. And then I got into college and there was something I felt at the time. I kind of laugh when I think back on this. There was something that I thought was prestigious. Maybe it was my ego about being the CFO or the CEO of a big Fortune 100 company. 
And so long story short, I ended up accepting a job with General Electric and their financial management program. Mm -hmm. And I remember three months into that job, looking at my boss and all the way up the ladder. I'm not great at a lot of things, but I'm pretty good at a few. And one of those is figuring out, getting clarity about what I want and then reverse engineering like what it's going to take to get there. Mm. And I said, I don't want my boss's job and I don't want her boss's job. And all the way up the ladder, that's not the kind of life I want to live. And so I finished that program and I went backpacking around Europe for three and a half months. That's when I really started to immerse myself in the Robert Kiyosaki books and Think and Grow Rich. And those books really started to shape my mindset and my framework around life and business. And I said, I'm going to get into real estate. I've always heard that most millionaires mm -hmm. got there because they have some sort of real estate in their portfolio. And I enjoy real estate. And so I decided to get into real estate in 2005 and in the single family space. And I was primarily wholesaling, which for those of you who might not know what that is, it's essentially putting a property under contract for a certain price and then assigning that contract for a higher price to a cash buyer. Okay. And um, I was pretty successful out of the gate. At some point, I'm sure this may come up in your podcast because one of the biggest challenges I've gone through is getting into massive debt with the IRS early on into my business career. So I can circle back to that if you want. If you circle back to that, you might give me some PTSD because that will probably be like the biggest trigger, most painful professional thing that I just hid for years, didn't ever want to talk about, and finally came full circle and owned it when I, well, when I started to actually pay the IRS, and I started to pay them on time to get ahead of it. You're not the only person that's had that pain stuff, and I'm glad oh. you bring it up, man, because that was a hard secret for a long time. IRS stuff, man. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, Matt, because for a while there was, I don't know if it was guilt or there was a level of shame that I had with revealing that publicly yeah. that I went through something because I felt so irresponsible. And when I look back at it, it was all my fault. It was all my doing. And for a period of time, I was pointing the finger at the bookkeeper, the CPA, the people that quote unquote should have been responsible for that. But when I'm really honest with myself, I completely abdicated that responsibility. Hmm. And we can get into it. In 2006, I hired a bookkeeper because I didn't know anything about taxes and all this type of stuff. And I thought that it was his responsibility to not just take care of my books, but to file my taxes. And brother, fast forward three years, 2009, I'm in a condo in Miami and I go down to the first floor, open up my little mailbox, grab a bunch of mail, get back to my one bedroom apartment. I throw all this mail on the kitchen counter and I'll never forget just seeing about an inch to an inch and a half thick envelope with a green certified mail sticker just protruding out from the rest. Ooh. I was like, you know when you instantly feel something in your gut, like something's off. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I saw. And so I picked it up and said, internal revenue service, IRS, and my heart dropped. I'm like, this can't be good. Matt, when I tell you it was about this thick, this envelope. And I opened it up and after a couple of minutes, I realized that the IRS was telling me that my 2006, seven and eight taxes were never filed. Oh, and man. this was probably February, March of 2009, roughly maybe a little later on in the year. And so if those three years weren't filed, I was in no position to file that current year. And I owed, I think it was roughly about $126,000, $127,000. Now for context and perspective, the crash has just happened. Right in 2008, like the markets are in turmoil, like real estate is not where it was in 2005, six and seven. And I wasn't making nearly the kind of money I was making 2006 and seven. And man, my just for a moment, my world came crashing down. I was living by myself. I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't have this money. 
I was in denial, yeah. I would think for about a good week to two weeks. I like just buried my head in the sand and just didn't want to like deal with this head on. Yeah. And then I quickly snapped out of it. And man, this is tough to share, but I started Googling like bankruptcy attorneys. Yeah. Remind yeah. you, I'm, what year is this? This is 2009. Yeah. So I'm 20 something. And the thought of even exploring like filing bankruptcy was like, I just felt like a huge, massive failure. Man, I ended up scheduling an appointment with this particular bankruptcy attorney in Miami. And I remember driving there and I was teary eyed because I, I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. I felt I failed my family. I failed myself. Yeah. I sat down with this bankruptcy attorney and it just, it felt off. The vibe wasn't there. And I'm like, I was questioning if I was making the right decision. I think he felt that energy. He asked me a question and I didn't answer him. And he goes, are you considering not moving forward with this? And I said, honestly, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he says, well, if you don't, you're never going to be able to pay this back. And that was the trigger I needed to walk up out of the office and say to myself, I'm going to figure this out one way or the other. And mind you, if you know anything about the IRS, because of the amount of money that I had made in previous years, I didn't qualify for something called an offer in compromise. In other words, I couldn't re they wouldn't allow me to reduce the debt. And again, if you know anything about the IRS, the penalties and the interest are very aggressive. Yes, they so are. that 126 was climbing like every single day. But man, it was a blessing because that's the first time that I got serious about hiring a coach. As mm -hmm. a result of that experience I was in, I said to myself, again, reverse engineering, right? Like, how did I get into this mess? And I felt that if I had the right person in my corner, if I would have went out and found the right person that has been there, done that, I probably would have avoided this mistake. And a friend of mine connected me with a life coach who to this day is a good friend of mine and we talk on a weekly basis. And over the course of a three-year period, roughly, give or take, I was able to pay the IRS not only everything I owed them, but about 30 or 40 grand worth of credit card debt as well. So man, I don't know if it's the biggest challenge I've had in my life, but during that time, it certainly felt like it was a lot of weight on me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And I can relate to that story very intimately. So thank you for going down deep and being vulnerable and real. Yeah. Much appreciated, my friend. Wow. It's hard to beat that. He just started off and gave us a look into the deep end of entrepreneur. And sometimes it's not always uh, rosy and shiny and pretty, even though it can be once you're at this stage. But getting to this stage yeah. is hard as hell, my friends. And uh, thank yeah. you, Alex, for sharing that. So yeah, this is the Eternal Optimist podcast. And I'd love to stick with what's hard right now. Let's stick with some challenges. You know, what else has been a real yeah. challenge or yeah. burden in your life, my friend? Yeah, I can keep. So I was sharing that I was in the wholesaling space from 2005 through 2000. 20. Okay. Now in 2018, I started to feel Matt, like the business I was in, I was tired of chasing deals and going from transaction to transaction. Like ironically, the reason I got into real estate was because of cash flow and because I thought it was a good wealth builder. But really what I had done over the first 14, 15 years of my career was just build a high paying job, right? Like I looked back and I said, where are the assets? Where's the cash flow? Yeah. I just kept going deal to deal and it was providing a good living for like my family, but it just wasn't aligned with my long-term vision. And so I really started to do the deep work of figuring out like, what's the direction I want to go in? And I remember being in a big mastermind, one of the bigger masterminds in the real estate space and being in front of my peers of what I consider to be very successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs and sharing to them that like, I'm questioning if this is what I need to be doing. And it was very hard for me to get vulnerable and say, hey, I'm, my heart's not into this business anymore. Mm. I feel like I've built this prison that is my business and now I'm stuck in it. That's how I'm feeling. 
And fortunately, because of the coaches, mentors, the people I had in my life, I got an opportunity to really reflect, get clear about what I wanted. And long story short, in 2020, literally right before COVID, I started the process of transitioning out of that business. And and fortunately, I had started a podcast in 2016 called The Flip Empire Show. And I had started a mastermind community called Ascend in 2019 with a friend. And really, Matt, that's where I was deriving joy and fulfillment. Like working with other people, giving back, again, giving is a theme here, like pouring into people. That's what was genuinely filling my cup. It wasn't the next 20, 30 or $50,000 wholesale deal in real estate. And so I realized that I needed to do more of lean into more of that kind of work. I still wanted real estate to be a part of my portfolio, part of the wealth building strategy, but I wanted the core business to be about working with other entrepreneurs and impacting people's lives. So Mike Wagner, a really good friend of ours, also a front row dad, he really whet my appetite when it comes to the storage investing world. And that was a business that was more aligned with the direction I wanted to go in. So fast forward late 2021, I pivoted and I got into storage. And that's been an interesting ride over the course of the last two, three years. And so to this day, my core businesses are storage, our mastermind ascends. And then really the podcast just, again, gives me a lot of joy and fulfillment. It's really more of a marketing channel, but it gives me the opportunity to just be very open, vulnerable, and just share what's going on in my life, positive and or negative. Yeah. Thank you for sharing this. So you just given us the kind of three pillars here in the business, the storage, the mastermind, and the podcast. And if we could dissect each of those, because what I love about you is you just gave us a glimpse into what I, knock on wood, hopefully will lead to a long and healthy life filled with some type of inner peace because these are things that give you the joy. You went away from stuff that was financially lucrative intentionally to the stuff that is all just giving you the joy, filling you up. So when you made that conscious decision, I think about this all the time. I didn't make that conscious decision until I actually was able to have money and save a little bit of money. And then I came to the realization that, you know what, now that I'm financially pretty stable. Now I'm going to look at what I'm doing and is this what I love to do or not? So I'm curious, did you have a certain level of financial stability that got to a place where now I can go do what I love? Or was it, talk a little bit about that transition to doing stuff that you love more. Yeah. Really good question. I certainly was not financially free. Like I couldn't stop working for years and I'd be okay. Now, don't get me wrong. I had built a certain level of financial stability through our mastermind, through some lending opportunities that I was a part of. And I had some, a few different income sources that I was, fortunately, I was able to pivot and transition away from wholesaling, which probably made up 70, 75% of the income at that time. I was fortunate that I had least built enough of a bridge to take some time off. That was one of the things that my coach shared with me. I was eager and anxious to find out what's next. And he told me, he's like, Alex, take at least a few months, take a sabbatical to really just enjoy the fruits of your labor and give yourself the space and to get the clarity about what's next versus trying to run up and conquer the next mountain. And that was looking back, I'm so grateful that he gave me that advice because I would have probably jumped into a business based on the opportunity and not based on my vision. And that's one of the things I really want people listening or watching this to get from this is when you don't have a clear vision for your life, everything looks like an opportunity. But when you're clear about what you want your life to look like, and then you go about designing a business that is aligned with your life's vision and is meant to enhance your life's vision, that's when things get fun. 
right? Because what I believe and what I see is if you look at your calendar, people always see business meetings and this and that, but like, where's the time to schedule the things in your life, family, time with your kids, date nights, working out? How do you fill your cup? And are you prioritizing that on your calendar? So one of the exercises I learned years ago that had a big impact on my life is think of a blank calendar. And then it's Sunday through Saturday and let's say 5 a.m. to midnight. Figure out what's important in your life and then put that on the calendar first. Forget about business for now. Forget about money-making opportunities. What do you want to and how do you want to experience life? Put that on the calendar. Then figure out where the opportunities and space are for business. And that's how you can start to create a business that is aligned with your life's vision versus going out and in my case, designing this business that felt like a prison. It wasn't in alignment with my life's vision. That is beautiful. That is great wisdom. And so many things you just shared. I mean, two things really stand out. When you don't have a vision, everything looks like an opportunity. When you said that, it translated in my mind that, man, if you don't have a vision, then everything is a distraction. You could be incredibly busy and never productive. You could wake up and not even know what the heck you did that day and felt like you worked all day. So I love that you had that. And then the second part, the actual exercise of the calendar. Do you do that yourself or do you do it with your family together? How does that look in the Pardo house when you guys are doing that? Yeah, no, really good question. I do it by myself. But one of the things I do with the Pardo family is around this time of year, we love to travel. Fortunately, that's one of the things that we've been able to experience. And we always look and say, hey, where do we want to go? What do we want to experience? And that's an example of getting it on the calendar. I'm fortunate that my wife loves the planning and the researching. I don't. And so when we come to an agreement as a family about what we want to do, what we want to experience, we then prioritize it. Okay, let's book an Airbnb. Let's book a flight. Let's make it happen. Yes. And if you're listening to this and you're not in a position to take advantage of certain things that you might want to do, one of the things I've learned, Matt, is that we can still experience elements of our vision. As an example, I had a a buddy of mine who it was always on his dream board, his vision to buy a yacht, but he wasn't there financially to buy a yacht. But what he realized is that he can rent a yacht once a year. So think about how you can experience elements of the things that you really want, even though you might not be in a place financially or physically to actually enjoy those things. By the way, the yacht thing is just an example. That's just to kind of underscore the point that why you think you might not be able to achieve a certain aspect of your vision there's a way that you can still experience it. Absolutely. Funny thing, my mind raced when you said the the yacht story. I was thinking, yeah, I'm watching a Mr. Beast video of a a gajillion dollar yacht. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to gift my kids a yacht and it's going to be a bath time. It's just going to be a simple boat and we're going to play with the boat in the the bathtub. That's our yacht experience. But yeah, how might you experience the things that you really want? And if you're not there yet, and yeah, how do you dreamcast or vision that? How do you make some of that come true in some way today? Yeah, I love that. It reminds me the first time I ever did that in real life when I was 22 years old. I went for a test drive on a BMW when I was living in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, because I'd never had a luxury car before. To me, BMW was like the bomb back in 1999. Yeah. So I went on a test drive one Saturday, and that was cool, dream building on the test drive. You ever do stuff like that, like a test drive of a car or... Yeah, so actually with Mike Wagner, I was at his storage rebellion retreat earlier this year, and we got to experience like basically racing around a track with Mm -hmm. like luxury cars. So I got to drive a Lamborghini. I drove, I forgot what type of Mercedes. I'm not a big car guy per se, but I do believe there's power in proximity. Mm -hmm. So if there's something you want, whether it's material or otherwise, 
I do believe there's something to be said for getting close to that, being able to touch it, feel it, right? So as an example, on my dream board is a beachfront home in Key Largo. So I live in Miami. I, I live about 90 minutes away from Key Largo. And we'd love to have a home on the water there. So I'm not in a place where I can go buy that right now, but I can certainly rent it. And that's something that we've done. So when you immerse yourself, you feel it, you experience it. I really do believe there's power in that. I love it. I, I, we are in our own version of that, the drink on household that we just rented for the first time in our lives. We've been married 10 years in January. We rented a home for the summer. So next summer, we're going to be spending it at a certain location that's away from our regular full-time home as a trial run because we want to move and build our dream house there. And so we're going to do a trial run for a month next summer, man. So I'm glad to hear you're talking the same language, man. I love it. I love it. It started, though, with having a vision of what we want. So two parts. It starts with having a vision of what you want. So number one, and for those of you who are perfectionist or recovering perfectionist out there, not being so bent on that you can't enjoy yourself right now. It's not like I have to have a dream home. And if I don't, everything up until then is like a big struggle. I'm suffering. No. Love where you are now and strive for your vision as well. Figure that equation out, my friends, and you have something special. I love that equation. A thousand percent, Matt. I think if people are waiting to experience joy, happiness, and fulfillment Mm. based on a mile marker, based on something they achieve, accomplish, attain, I think they're completely missing the boat. You can experience all those things now. So I think it's be, do, have. And most Mm. people like flip that equation around and they're trying to have before they become the type of person that can have those types of things. So I want to be very transparent, Matt, like I go through my fair share of challenges. Uh, The older I get, the more I realize there's more things I don't know than things I believe I do know. And so I I certainly don't want to come across like I have life and all these things figured out because I don't. I have my fair share of challenges, but I do believe that peace can be found internally. If you're seeking peace externally, it's a broken model. Yeah. Totally agree. And I do think you've figured a lot of stuff out because you have the Monopoly giant paintings behind you that said, keep pushing, (laughs) set goals and go. You guys got to check out Alex on YouTube channel right now because I'm looking at his background. It's like the coolest background. He's got like the Reading Railroad, like a giant Monopoly background. He's got family pictures. He's got books. What's this giant golden pineapple back there? I've been wondering about that. What is that? That was an award that I won at a real estate multifamily event. I forgot what it was, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I I won this gold pineapple and I don't know, it's funny looking. So I just have it up there. It's super cool. Back to the podcast, the Flip Empire podcast. So what joy do you gain from doing the podcast now, Alex? Man, God's given me that platform to pour into people's lives. Like I don't have a studio. I don't have people come in. I'm in my home office and sometimes recording a podcast in that manner can sometimes feel lonely. Like I'm speaking into a mic I'm looking at myself. I usually don't really have notes. I have a general topic or theme that I really want to touch on. And I built the ability to just be able to go and share from the heart. And sometimes it can be lonely. It's I know I see the stats, so I know it's reaching people. But like for those of you listening, the biggest gift you can give Matt or a podcast host is reaching out to them and letting them know what kind of impact the show or the podcast has had. Obviously, subscribing, giving a rating and review, but also sharing it. Again, along the theme of being a funnel of good information, when people reach out to me, Matt, on Messenger or sometimes a random email or on social media, and they're specific, they're like, hey, man, thank you for XYZ on this podcast. Dude, it lights me up. Like It means the world to me because now I know that I've had 
some type of positive ripple effect in that person's life. And who knows what kind of effect that will have on their family, their community, et cetera. Mm. And I just like the platform that it's evergreen. God forbid something were to happen to me. Like my daughters have the ability to go listen to 700 plus episodes of their daddy speaking. And I don't know, man, I, I just think that's cool. Absolutely. Yeah, everything about that. I totally love it. And I made a couple notes here because I'm getting ready to have my first solo episode. We're like almost 150 episodes. So 150 is going to be okay. me solo. And I'm going to start doing a solo episode every week. I, yeah, I'm also facing this thing. I wrote down the opposite of eternal optimism might be loneliness and pain. Mm. And it might be hurting and it might be the lack of inner peace. It might be. So just to so riff on that. But I like that uh, you've inspired me with ideas and just your energy again. So you've got 700 episodes on the Flip Empire podcast. How about your mastermind? Talk about Ascend. Love to hear more about that. Yeah. Again, the reason I started the podcast in 2016 was because I was grateful that I had people approaching me, asking me questions. And if I'm being honest, and I'll answer your question about the mastermind, mm -hmm. I've gone through at times imposter syndrome. Like, who mm -hmm. am I to be able to share and give back and help someone? Like, there's a lot of stuff I haven't accomplished and achieved, but there's a few things I figured out. And the mastermind was along those same lines. I have been fortunate that I have always, I shouldn't say always, but as a result of my IRS experience, from that point forward, I viewed communities, masterminds, coaches, mentors as insanely valuable investments. I don't view it as a cost because the value I derive from it and the relationships to me, masterminds and communities, the heart of it is relationships. The reason I, I have the ability to be on your show, Matt, is because we started to build the relationship through front row dads. Mm. That's the power of a mastermind. It's not so much the content. The content is great in a lot of these masterminds. But for me, it's about the connections. It's about the people. It's about the relationships. Absolutely. And as a result of the impact that masterminds and communities have had on my life, I wanted to go create something with a friend and I wanted to start something. And so we saw that there was a lot of entrepreneurs that were striving to scale and grow and they were in a hustle season. And I think that's fantastic. I think that's great. But I believe that hustle is a season, not necessarily a lifestyle. And so we wanted to create a mastermind that was for entrepreneurs that wanted to experience a better life, not only a better business. Mm -hmm. And my belief is that they can have both. So we've created a lot of psychological safety within our community where people are able to go and reveal their biggest and pressing challenges. And by the way, not just in business, but in life. One of the okay. things that I have learned and I've experienced is that sometimes we think we have a business challenge, but if you do the deep work and you peel back the layers of the onion, oftentimes it's actually a personal challenge that is just being manifested as a business challenge. Mm -hmm. And the reverse can also be true. There's people that will say, hey, compartmentalize, keep your personal life away from your business. And I don't necessarily know that I'd push back on that. My belief is that they like connect in certain ways, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that we're at the kitchen table and I'm doing business. That's not what I mean. But I mean that our life impacts our business and our business impacts our life. If we're not showing up as the best version of ourselves, that's going to impact the different areas of our life, the different pillars that you and I both know about. 100%. I look back to who I was in corporate America and I do feel there, there were two mats. There was the math that would put on the corporate uh, armor every day. Then there was the mat who wasn't there. And there were two of me. And now it is an integrated, blended, who I am at work, who I am at home. It's all the same thing. And before it was definitely two. I don't want to say it was two-faced and I was not being authentic. I do want mm. to say that I had to put on this corporate 
veil, so to speak, yeah. to play this political game, to play this mm. politically correct game. And now I just play the me game. It's all the time, right? So how does that connect with you? How much freedom do you feel as a result of that? Like not having to keep tabs oh. on putting up a front. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's like when I'm listening to Gary Vee's uh, podcast, he's talking about, I, I didn't used to swear back in my YouTube channel. I didn't feel like I was being authentic. Then he started to swear and people started really listening to it because he was real. And I, yeah. I feel being real is the key, just about everything. Be real and don't hide it. Say it proudly, yeah. say it humbly, just share it. So everyone else can that's learn right. from it. Yeah, that's my and Matt, I, I feel because of the topic we're on now, I feel compelled to let you know that I am very much in a season of really checking my authenticity. One of the things I think I'm wrapping my head around is that social media, it's a fantastic tool, but it's also people's highlight reels. I'm starting to become more conscious and aware of the content I put out on my podcast, the content I put out in social media, because to somebody who doesn't know me, again, they might think, oh, amazing life, everything's figured out. And that's why I really want to highlight that, like, I'm just like you, like I'm on the journey, like everybody listening. Now we might be at different stages or levels, but that's perfectly fine. Like I'm still dealing with stuff that I get to do work in and I get to like really dive deep and say, Hey, am I showing up as the best version of myself or how do I want to show up? One of the exercises I'm working through before the end of the year is defining who's the man I want to be mm. and really like challenging. Am I living that standard? What father do I want to be? What husband do I want to be? What kind of leader do I want to be? How do I want to show up in this world? Anyways, man, I just, hopefully my thoughts are being communicated in a way that resonates with somebody listening because I'm sharing with you things that I'm questioning and going through in this very moment. Yes. Are these the types of questions or authenticity that if I were to go and just research and look at to maybe join your mastermind group, is this the kind of stuff that we talk about? Yeah, a hundred percent. This is just one okay. of the things we talk about, but yeah, nothing is off the table. We wanted to create a community like Front Row Dads has been inspiring in so many ways. I was able to join that community earlier this year. And I love the fact that it's about family men with businesses. It's not businessmen with families. And to a certain degree, we have an element of that where it's not just about people that want to build scale and make a bunch of money. That's a part of it. Money's a tool. It's important, but it's about life comes first right? One of the things I've had to do throughout the years is detach myself from a certain identity, right? Like yes. I'm not what I do. That's just what I do. Yes. Does that make sense? Oh, like crystal clear. Yes. Yeah. Please continue yeah. detaching yourself from the identity of I am my job. I am real estate. I am. How have you done yeah, that? Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll share with you a quick going back to when I transitioned from wholesaling and the single family space into storage, I really started to question like, oh, what would people think? Are people going to think I'm shutting down because of COVID? Like I started to ask all these questions that when I look back, it doesn't matter what people think because I knew what I was going through and I knew that just didn't align with the vision I had and the goals I had set. Yes. And so when you talk about detaching, I had a certain identity that because I was in a leadership position running Ascend, because I'm the host of the Flip Empire show, that I had to be doing real estate. I had to be actively doing deals and I attached myself to that identity. And I quickly realized that, no, like that's just what I do. That doesn't define who I am as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a believer, like all these different things. And so I didn't come to that realization overnight. Again, it required a lot of hard work and asking yourself tough questions and surrounding yourself with people that are going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Mm, that's right. So if I want to find out more about your podcast, it's Flip Empire Podcast, but how do we find out more about your mastermind specifically and just follow you on social? Where do we find you? 
Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate the question and the opportunity to share that. Sendyoursuccess.com. Sendyoursuccess.com is more about the mastermind. And then the podcast, I'm on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But if you go to flipempire.com forward slash podcast, that'll route you right over to Apple Podcasts. Then you can find me on Instagram and some of the other social platforms. Nice. I think one of the reasons I was so excited for our conversation, here's how I think about people in general. I meet someone, I have a relationship over time with them, and I tend to, like, in a very structured way, when I think of someone's name or face, I have a feeling, and I associate them with a couple of things. So whenever I think of Alex Pardo, right, the first thing that comes to mind is I feel good because your energy is always one that's been like a words of affirmation, uplifting, challenging me to to be present, to be good or best version of myself, just always there, someone I don't want to let down. So I feel good around you. I feel like I am healthy. I feel hungry. I feel humble. I just feel a bunch of good stuff around you. And then when I think about you, I thought of the picture of you and your family together on that trip last year. I think it may have been to Italy or somewhere you went and you were just so celebratory of your family. So that yeah. is really the part that makes me love you and just really brought me into the Alex is thinking about that. I think about you and the family. So thank you. Thank you, Matt. For, oh, it's a real pleasure to know you. It's a real pleasure to be your pickleball partner at uh, Front Row Dad events. And I remember <laughs> that because one of these days we're going to we're gonna have to play, we're gonna have to play Greg Powell again because that dude is a pickleball oh, monster. He's so good. Son of a gun. He's so good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Flipempire.com, the podcast. Ascendyoursuccess.com is the mastermind. And you can follow Alex Pardo on all the social media places. So Alex, we are near the end of our discussion here, a lot of time, and I've got a lightning round of questions for you. Ding, ding, ding. Let's see. So the first question, and this may send you into a total tailspin because I see all the books on your shelf. If you had to take all those books that you've read on your shelf and just take it down to give me one to three, between one and three books that you would recommend out there to our listeners what one to three books are the ones that have had a great impact you'd recommend? Oh, man, that is a tough one. Wow. That is the most difficult question you've asked me all day. Okay, I'm going to start with the Bible. And I don't share that because I, I want to shove my belief system down anybody's throat. But I would really encourage you to get to know God. And the Bible is, I think, the greatest selling book of all time. So I would start with the Bible. Okay. I want to shy away from saying rich dad, poor dad and think and grow rich because I feel like that's a very common answer. Although those books did really open the gateway for me into personal developments, but I'm going to put those books to the side. I have to say the go-giver because it just, it really just strikes a chord with me. And I think it's Tony Robbins. I want to give him credit. I think he says a lot of brilliant things, but one of them is a life worth living is a life of giving or, or something along those lines. And for me, just man, giving and receiving are kind of one has to happen. One can't happen without the other, but I just enjoy to give so much more than I enjoy to receive. That book is one. And then I'll tell you one that is maybe under the radar that maybe your listeners haven't heard that I absolutely love. It's called The Wealthy Garden. I could have probably chosen three or four other books to go in there like Atomic Habits, but I love The Wealthy Garden. That's a book that really resonates with me. Fantastic. Fantastic. Great. Let's go to the music world. If Okay. Music is your thing, or if you, if you connect with music in any way, what's a song Lovely. or an artist that inspires you and fills your bucket? Ooh, man, the last couple of years, I've been on a country kick. So we went to see Zach Brown Band not too long ago. So I don't know, man, I just, we went to Nashville, my wife and I, we went on a kind of weekend, just date trip to Nashville. So I would say the country genre, and there's a lot of great country artists out there, man, like Morgan Wallen, I'm a big fan of. So those are just a couple names. Awesome. Okay. 
Alex, down to the final question. You are on the Eternal Optimist podcast. And yes, when I say the words Eternal Optimist to you, what might that mean to you? I think of positivity. I think of somebody who desires to impact other people's lives. I think of people that are not going to be defined by their challenges and their obstacles, but are going to overcome, are going to have the right mindset and are going to inspire other people. That was just my raw. I wanted to give you an answer like from the heart, from the gut. And that's what comes to me.